Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Grant. And I'm Jennifer. Um, we're part of the congregation today. And with Andy uh, cruising around Alaska for the week, a much deserved week off, uh, we're honored to be walking with this journey with you. Uh, we're continuing the message um, through Matthew. And uh, really, as you can see on the screen, the title of the series in general is, you know, How the Messiah's Journey, How the Messiah Journeys with Others. Uh, but before we get in, let's uh, say, let's take a time to pause in prayer, welcome to the Holy Spirit, and we'll jump into this thing. Uh, dear God, thank you for this space. Um, thank you that you're here, thank you that you're present. Um, we pray that you open our hearts, uh, not only to the best today, but when we're out in the world, um, when we have opportunities to embrace others, others in our community, others outside of our community, Lord. We pray that your heart, our hearts will be softened in those moments. Thank you for your, your leadership. Thank you for example for these words. Um, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so today uh, we are really coming, so kind of some context. Um, we spent a lot of time in Jesus' preaching, right? So we had the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, really, we're transitioning today's topic uh, from the teaching and preaching element to uh, Jesus rolling up his sleeves and really working. Uh, on a street level. Um, so we're really seeing uh, Jesus showing us you know, what his teachings are all about. Uh, and honestly, today what we'll see is really, really cool. Uh, demonstrating uh, what his authority looks like, what his authority looks like on the street level. So, a couple quick things, just a couple series recaps. Um, last couple weeks we've been talking about kind of bringing people. Uh, we'll talk about the social political other. Uh, we talked about people leaving the church, faith in Jesus. Uh, we also talked about our kids last week, not only ours but others. Um, and then, a quick, just a quick note on that, right? Especially with others, other children. Um, just a quick plug for safe families. Uh, if you have anyone you're interested in that at all, uh, talk to Claire uh, or join go to the next dinner. I'm sure she'll be there. Is that right? Uh, okay. Uh, in college, uh, I had a cool business professor. His name was Dirk Barron. And uh, in class, you would always say if there was an important point called a light bulb moment. So last couple of weeks, we've got a couple of light bulb moments uh, so far in the series. And the first one is that when Jesus encounters, uh, or yeah, encounters in, in other people, it's all about connection. Right? Connection is key when we're when meeting other people. It's connection before correction. Right? Correction happens, but not not until that connection is made. Um, we're connecting uh, with others in communicating love and value with their relationship. Um, before any words, rebuke, before honesty, uh, even apology, we can connect. So that's the one light bulb moment. Uh, that would be on fine if this was One of the primary goals, the second one, uh, lots of them. One of the primary goals of any follower of Jesus is to be calm, steady, faithfully loving at all times. And especially when differences and difficulties arise, the anxiety becomes the brew, you know, how can we enter in in a calm and faithful love, right? How does that love posture come close? So. Yeah, so this week, we kind of went over the people that we've been talking about and learning about. This week, we're learning how to love the outsider. Um, and in order to do this, you have to understand that we are people who desire deep connection. Um, but with that, we have limitations. Psychologists, and Christian spiritual author David Banner writes, to be human is to be needy. 
we all have wants and desires and insecurities uh, and, and anxieties, uh, but we long for connection and vulnerability with that. Uh, but sometimes we can be afraid to have that connection with those vulnerabilities. Um, we're able to recognize that, though, that being human is technique, that we are vulnerable. Um, we're able to, we're allowing ourselves to walk freely. We can stop being who we think we should be and instead be who God created us to be. This is a place where a deep connection can be made and vulnerability with God, um, with our God-given selves. Which we had, <laughs> we had a long day yesterday, and I wish we would have seen this earlier, because we would have put a song in today. But we're going to have a long day, so we're like, you know, we're going to watch Encanto tonight. I don't know if you've seen Encanto. He has not seen Encanto. I had seen parts of it because of my kids. And oh my gosh, I don't know if this is doing this, but it is bawling at the end, just crying. But it was so neat to see how, if you haven't seen it, now you can watch Encanto yeah, on Disney. You can watch it through his eyes because you have these siblings. It's about a family, and you have these siblings. Um, the oldest who's trying to carry the weight, the one who's supposed to be perfect, and it, it, the whole movie, I won't give it away, but the whole thing is it's them trying to play these roles, but then when they can finally accept their limitations, they're able to connect and just have a deeper connection of a truer community, truer family. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I cried three times. Fun <laughs> 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 throw it out there. Again, it was long, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but it's cool. So, uh, Jesus, out, we, we've talked about this exact same point, right? That Jesus has outlined these limitations. Um, and really, pretty straightforward, the, you know, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, specifically, Beatitudes um, highlights that point. I, I love that the first Beatitude is blessed on the weak spirit, really just highlighting how we really need Jesus in every part of our lives, in every minute of, of our existence, um, so that we can you know, live in harmony with the ways of the kingdom, how living in a human focused life. Um, what's cool is that Jesus lived that with us. He recognized that Jesus is human. And this is one of the main pieces of, of our scripture today, is Jesus equals human. Um, as we consider this idea of what human is, uh, we can look to Jesus, right? In life, things are hard to focus on what to do, what's the right thing to do. That's why we have Jesus as an example to live, uh, knowing that he was human, had the same struggles and difficulties that we had. Uh, we have that beacon, as it were. But he's the definition of what it means to be fully human. Uh, he is fully God, yet fully human. Uh, our journeys have become like Christ, to think like Jesus thought, to feel the ways that he felt, felt um, and act the way that he acted, especially like I said, if he were us. Um, so this is, this is what we studied life. That's what, again, why we're going through today. Uh, we're just studying Jesus' life and living that as an example of how we can, again, embrace the, the outsider. Um, so with that, uh, Jenny, you want to talk about the transition time to do that? Yeah, we have a little video. So when we were kind of prepping and talking to Andy, we love a uh, Bible project have like such cool little ways visually my visual learner to just connect dots, connect the Bible. The Bible is so cool. And this one is talking about how Jesus refers to himself most as son of man. And um, we felt like it was just so just so cool. It kind of goes in with that understanding of Jesus being fully human and understanding why he chose son of man being his name his the name he went by the most. So 
you read the New Testament, you'll notice that the most common title people use to describe Jesus is the Christ, that is, the Messiah. But surprisingly, Jesus almost never used that word to describe himself. Instead, he called himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man. What does that mean? Well, the phrase comes from an important chapter in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was an Israelite prisoner of war who was forced to live in the empire of Babylon and work for the prideful, violent king who destroyed his home. That sounds cool. And while he was living and working in Babylon, Daniel had this crazy prophetic dream. You ready for it? I'm ready. He saw four beasts crawling out of the dark sea, hybrid monster-like animals, each scarier than the one before. And the fourth beast is so mute, there's nothing to compare it to. And it's violent, leaving death and destruction in its wake. What in the world is this about? Well, he's told that these beasts symbolize violent fighting kings and their empires. Oh, like the one Daniel's enslaved to. Yeah, and these creatures might seem random to you, but these images are developing an important biblical theme. How humans are these remarkable creatures, capable of doing great good and horrible evil. How we can behave like animals. Right. Look at the first pages of the Bible. God creates the beasts of the field and humans together, all from the dust. But then, the humans are set apart and given a royal task of being God's image. So humans are like the animals, but called to become much more. Yeah, they're to be God's representatives on earth, ruling on his behalf, like kings and queens. But keep reading, and the humans are deceived by a priest who says that they could be more than just God's partners. Yeah, that they could rule the world on their own terms, which sounds good to them. But God knows this will be a disaster, and so he expels the humans to the realm of the beasts. The partnership is lost. But God makes a promise that one day a human will be born who won't give in to the beast. Rather, he'll overcome and strike the beast while being struck by it. Okay, so for the rest of the biblical story, we're waiting for that human. But instead, in story after story, we find people acting like beasts. Yeah, like in the next story about Cain, who was jealous and angry at his brother Abel. God warns Cain that he's facing a beastly urge called sin. A dark, mysterious kind of evil that consumes humans. But God says that Cain can rule the beast if he chooses. But he doesn't rule the beast. He lets the urge devour him and he becomes a beast. And then after this, Cain's children spread their animal-like violence. And it leads to the founding of a whole civilization known for its beastly pride, the city of Babylon. Okay, Babylon. So fast forward, this is where Daniel was enslaved having this bizarre dream. Exactly. Now, watch what happens next in Daniel's dream. He sees in the gospel road room where a court is set up, and God condemns the beast to destruction. That's great. And then Daniel sees that there's actually more than one divine throne. Oh, right, the throne that humanity left behind. Right. There hasn't been a human who's able to overcome the beast and rule alongside God until now. Daniel sees a figure called the Son of Man, which means a human. And he rides on a cloud up into God's presence and then sits down on the divine throne to rule the world. The partnerships renewed. Yes, and even more. All humanity worships and serves this Son of Man alongside God. Huh? Worship. So this is no ordinary human. This is like a God human. Exactly. And so now you can see why Jesus of Nazareth, when he came onto the scene centuries later, chose this title, the Son of Man, for himself. He was claiming to be that truly human one on a mission to confront the beast. 
he was tempted to seek power on the beast's terms. But unlike every human before him, Jesus resisted the And then he went about banishing the beast from people's lives. And he was teaching people how to rule the beast instead of being ruled by it. Okay, so how do you rule the beast? Well, Jesus did that by giving up his life. Wait, rule the beast by dying? Yes. When Jesus was on trial in a human courtroom and being condemned to death, he said, From this moment on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at God's right hand and coming on the clouds. But this is the moment he's about to die. Exactly. From one perspective, the cross looks like a beastly torture device. But Jesus viewed it as his throne. And on this throne, he exposed the subhuman nature of our evil by letting it do its worst. And then he overcame it with his divine life and love. Jesus' execution was his exaltation. So Jesus is the first human to overcome the beast. And as a result, he can partner with God to rule the world. And so now, Jesus is summoning a new humanity into existence, one that can overcome the beast in the same paradoxical way. To rule the beast by dying. And then by discovering that Jesus' life and power can become our life and power. So we can rule the world as God's partners, but Jesus style, in the power of service, humility, and self-giving love. Yeah, I just want to repeat that last part, which I think is just so amazing, is how we can partner in Jesus um, and rule. His power was with humility and self-giving love. When we think of the other, thinking of how Jesus loves others that way. So, uh, with that being said, uh, the main question then, as we consider God's humanity and our desire to become humane, uh, how does Jesus see the outsider, and how can we follow this example? So we're going to talk about that. We have three, three examples. Uh, before that, we're going to jump into the first one. Yeah. Okay, cool. We're, we're going to dive into Matthew 9, 1 through 13. So Jesus has returned to Capernaum, his own city home, based uh, his ministry in Galilee. That's where we start. So Jesus stopped into a boat, crossed over, and came into his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man, lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Sit the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blasphemy. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. And then the calling of Matthew. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Okay, so here we're looking at two different accounts, the paralytic and Matthew. Uh, two sets of friends. We have the paralytic's friends who brought him there, then Matthew's friends in the community who Jesus dined with. 
We have the same scoffers, the same religious people, and the same Jesus in both accounts. So Matthew 9 is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus. To this point, he has been received very well and very popular. But now he's kind of putting his works, or rather his teachings, into action. He's going and practicing his teaching. He's going into the community. He's healing the paralytic. He's also forgiving him of his sins. And he's hanging out with Matthew and his crowd. Yeah, so we'll get more into this, but it's interesting how in the first part, uh, Jesus' ministry is very popular, right? Big crowds, around now, all these different things. Uh, and then he starts to, this is kind of the transition point where it becomes not as popular, but you're the religious elite. Um, so kind of just an interesting transition there. But back to the main point. Uh, how does Jesus see the outsider, and how can we follow this example? So, uh, first point we're going to make is Jesus sees us without shame. Um, so let's look back at it really quickly with Matthew. You don't have to do it. Uh, Matthew 9, 2, 4, 9. Uh, so Jesus stepped in the boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man, laying him on a man's back. Uh, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the men, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, verse 9. Uh, Jesus went, out to, went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. So we desire as human beings to be seen. That's that's everything. Flaws and all are truest to themselves. Uh, paralytic has seen was seen and judged for his condition, uh, but the irony was that his condition was seen as sin. Um, Jesus saw him, you know, saw the paralytic sin and also chose to forgive him and kill him at the same time. Uh, for Matthew, uh, he was an outsider. Right? He was. A, Hated by all except for the others uh, who were also hated as well. Um, again, tax collectors, as you guys know, really well wrong of society. Uh, so really only coming out with some of the people that are their social economic class. Uh, so Jesus saw him as Matthew more than a tax collector. He saw his name, uh, he saw his shame, I should say, and his sin, and still said to follow him. So we're going to break out into a quick question here. Uh, have you ever felt like you were an outsider or felt ashamed to show your truest self? Uh, I'll share it first. I, I, I think for me, I was reflecting on this, and I think it's happened a lot throughout my life from time to time. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is, as I was kind of forming my identity, really middle, middle school, high school, um, I didn't know where I, where I kind of belonged, as it were, just from a friend, friendship perspective. Um, I always had my family, I always had, had my church and things, but kind of wasn't necessarily able to express myself. I was fortunate, I went away from college, that was kind of the time where I kind of found my, myself and my identity and felt the more true of self. Uh, then I met this beautiful woman here, and um, being able to be myself in, in, in marriage, I think, is, is one of the best things for me. But, so yeah, that was that was my experience. So if you guys want to pair up, we got about five minutes here. Um, if you want to share together just a time, you know, just being honest, that you felt maybe as an outsider, uh, or felt ashamed to show it to yourself. So, about five minutes and we'll come back here.
Jesus be the outsider and how can we follow his example? Now we're going to jump to Matthew 9, 2 through 10, and we're going to see how Jesus sees and encourages community. So Matthew 9, 2, some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on the mat. When Jesus saw their faith, there being the faith of his friends, and then skipping over to 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his, and his disciples. So we see another theme in this passage about friendship and community. We see the friendship of the paralytic, the friends who had the faith to bring him um, to Jesus, knowing that he would have, that Jesus could give them, that he could heal their friends. Jesus saw that. He saw their faith. Um, and then jumping over to Matthew, Jesus deciding, I feel like eating and sharing a meal is very intimate. Um, and he chose to go with Matthew to his community and meet with the other tax collectors and the quote-unquote sinners of that time. Um, and so Jesus, knowing he could, sorry, rather, uh, so Jesus is always inviting us in. So how are we inviting others in? We're going to do another breakout question. Before, before that, I was also a quick plug for the Connections Dinners. Right? There's a reason uh, why we do those things. And they are awesome. So if you have a uh, free Thursday and want some free food, it's a good conversation. And community is a really big thing, I think, yeah. here at Water's Edge that we do well. And I think that we hope to continue. And it's, you get to know people. Uh, connection Dinners, really taking it from Sunday where we get to see each other, which is so fun, and meeting new, new people, seeing faces, seeing faces we've seen before. Uh, but taking it past that, really diving into, or rather connecting in a deeper way with each other, and really living life with each other, whether it's supporting people who have who have a baby, or um, when someone goes through a surgery, just really showing up and like, or when some, a family is doing safe families. Look at that. The people out here, our community. How we, how can we show up and really come together? So. Uh, the next breakout question is, have you experienced friendship that show up for you? Has there been a time you have been unexpectedly welcomed in, and what did that mean for you? So I can share mine. I feel like becoming a new mom, anytime I've had mom friends who've kind of just shown up in a way where I can be a hot mess, and it's okay, because sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, I have to like have my house clean, the kids are coming over, stuff is everywhere, and I feel like when I was able to meet other friends, and some of them weren't even moms, like, they weren't moms, they were just, like, neighbors or families or friends who could come in and be okay with that, they just entered into that space, and I was able to show off my, all my, you know, this, all the stuff, and be my truest self, my real self, my true self, I felt like it, that, to me, was a place where, um, yeah, I just felt comfort in that community, knowing that they could enter into that space, um, yeah, so, you guys want to break out? Yeah, sure. Well, that's like two or three minutes. Yeah. Behind that time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Two or three minutes. So, how do you experience friendships with that show? But yesterday, I was actually thinking my experiences with the mom. But yesterday, we had um, kind of a not so fun day. It was kind of it was fine. Yeah, but uh, our daughter had an eight pound weight fall on her foot. That was gone. My husband was there. We experienced this just by our neighbors, Susie and Hoover, just showing up. So I was with Susie on the bike, and she was like, get on the bike, I'm taking you to the ER. And Hoover showed up, like, he, like, took the boys just without a good question. And he, like, cleaned up all of the blood that came home and didn't have to do that. But that was just, 
Because when you have something like that happen, she's okay, she's totally fine. But it's just very like the trauma of like you know, dealing with this like, book gone or like <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there all her like possible so I just wanna like you know the farthest part. So that was just really just really special and So transitioning into our final point. I don't know why I don't, like there's always points to three. I don't know why that is, but it's always true. It's a good number. Uh, there's two more true cycle. Um, Alright, so how does Jesus see the outsider and how can we follow our example? Um, the final, really I think the beauty and the simplicity of this is that Jesus gives us the daily opportunity to begin again and then again and then again. Right? This idea that we can always start a different path. Um, and Jesus seeing that, especially through Matthew as an example. Right? Matthew is a tax collector, he was an outsider. And you know the guy wrote a pretty awesome book, you know. So it's it's pretty pretty neat to see. So back to the scripture, uh, Matthew 9, 7 and 8. Uh, this is the paralytic. Uh, then, then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Uh, verse 12. Hearing this, this is back to Matthew, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but a sick. Uh, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then there's, was that, was that what it Anyways. Oh, that was Isaiah Referencing, oh, he's referencing Isaiah So, um, that's cool. Yeah, people, he stuff.
because of Jesus, the paralytic in Matthew, as well as the others mentioned, now had a new purpose and a new beginning. We are all invited to begin again, no matter where we are at or where we've been, uh, the mistakes we've made. Uh, so we can begin no matter how old we are, how young we are, uh, etc. Um, Jeremiah, this is all over the Bible, but Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I love this idea of beginning again. I actually have been reading a book by the Nana Tankersley. It's called Always We Begin Again. So I really wanted to read just an excerpt from that intro of her book. I just thought it was really beautiful and really parallels the idea allowing us to begin again. Uh, she writes, I recently heard these beautiful lines of Spanish poet Antonio Machado. Path maker, there is no path. You make the path by walking. By walking, you make the path. I find such great comfort in these words. The path appears to be walked one step at a time. By walking, we make the path. We step into the very next, new moment, and then the next, and then the next. We begin again, despite all odds. The path does not arise or clarify because we run faster, think harder, or work more efficiently. The path arise, arises and clarifies one grace-filled, love-filled, faith-filled step at a time. Um, <laughs> This is how we will make the entire path, the entire journey. And so we will need courage, strength, peace, resolve, patience, faith, and grace for ourselves and for others. All the things we do not naturally come by on our own. In other words, we will need reminders of who we are, which ourselves, and who God is. She then closes the intro with, There is always a hand reaching toward you. There is always grace available. And there is always a chance to begin again. This has been really great. I'm going to go get ready. <laughs> Thank you. Matthew, right? This this outsider bringing him into the community and the, the beautiful fruit um, of that, and seeing the potential of people. Um, and she's an example of Jesus seeing Matthew as a tax collector. Um, don't follow him. So let's, as we embrace this, you know, starting again, looking at those, looking at people as an opportunity. Uh, to see, you know, their, their, their true selves and the beauty of, of every person. So just to recap, uh, as we close today's message, how does Jesus see the outsider? How can we follow his, his example? Uh, they're on the screen. So just gracefully seeing others in their humanity. humanity. Uh, not always easy, especially if people are different. Especially if people are, I mean, living a lifestyle that maybe isn't uh, what we would agree with, but seeing them as, as their true selves. Uh, number two, embracing community and creating an inclusive place for others. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, leaning into community, right? We have a community here, uh, you, but we also have our communities at home, at work. Um, how can we lean into that and inclusive to bring the others, others into that? Uh, and just seeing the power of community. Right, also in the scripture, but also in our lives, and how much those, those times that people have stepped up for us have really mattered. Uh, and then finally, uh, remembering that there's always a chance to begin again, not only for ourselves, but for others. Um, so kind of having that posture when you are right, connecting with people, um, knowing that there's always an opportunity to begin again. But again, those people have to make that choice. So they're, they're making the choice to begin again. Um, but I think if we make that choice first, it helps, it helps. So with that, we're wrapping up.
Jesus is an awesome example of how we should live and how to, how to do things. And I think it's so comforting for me uh, to have that beacon uh, when life is really confusing to Tyler and your daughter drops really tight the pros. So with that, thank you guys. Appreciate the opportunity. So, uh,